Good morning. How y'all doing? It's Tuesday morning, the day after Memorial Day, and it's a motivational moment, motiva- motivational and strategy kind of a day. So I was just listening to a little bit of Gary Vee, and he was asked in an interview by someone in an audience, you know, when you go through failure, what do you do to that gets you through it? And he said it in a way that, it, I mean, it's it's argumentative, but at the same time, it's it makes sense, you know. And he said, I don't worry about money, you know. And most of you would probably ask, well, how in the hell do you not worry about money? We have to remember that money is an exchange tool. It's a mode of trade. So the whole thing about trade and buying power and what you can do with actual money that you make or trade power is the strategies that you use to build up resources. Now, it's like, yeah, Jason, it's easier said than done. What about when you have so many kids, your rent is so high, and da-da-da-da. And, you know, no one said this was going to be easy, but it is simple to figure out. And I'm applying this knowledge to myself because I make so much money a year. And over uh, the last three weeks, I started looking at all my bank statements, and I started looking at the expense report that I made for myself of how much do I spend on food, whether it be going out or grocery shopping, how much do I spend on entertainment, um, and that means Netflix, Hulu, uh whether Xbox Live, I mean, whatever it has, if there's something to do with entertainment itself, then that is an, you know, it's an entertainment expense, you know, so if it's not processing something, you know, that can be, now, the internet, I do pay for, I pay like $55 a month right now through Comcast, and um, it is a utility that I need, not just for work, but also for personal use. So that expense is really borderline, and it, it is necessary for me to conduct my work. But, you know, you start calculating, and you look at the expenses of how much do you pay rent, where do you live, what are you paying for, and then the, there's another expense, especially for single parents. If you've got a child over six or seven years old, um, let me tell you, you're more than likely paying for your kid to be in a sport or an activity in some fashion. It could be all year long. It could be part of the year. Um, you know, and a lot of us hope that our kids, believe it or not, I mean, I, I will have to say a lot of people, want their kids to be a professional athlete than actually working in a trade. We want them to be empowered by their talents and, you know, and their skills in a sport rather than having to take a long way uh, to get to uh, an education for a career field, you know. But then there are other people who don't think like that at all. They think, you know, sports is a vocation in a way or vacation, and they treat it as such, you know, and, Considering where I came from, for me, uh, sports was – it served a couple purposes. My mom did not pay for me to 
compete in baseball all year round, and she certainly did not pay for me to travel like I, I see a lot of these kids. You know, there are some really, really good, talented kids, and they get better because they have the money to pay for them to go on to, you know, the higher and upper, more performance of, of their sport, you know. And I and perfect example of this is my daughter, Annabella, she swims year-round. I pay literally, between me and her mom, we split the cost of her swimming of 130 to $160 a month depending if what if she swims in swim meets or just practice that month and it's 5 days a week it is a commitment so it's one of those things where you got to be conscious of you know what you're spending and you don't want to disappoint disappoint your kids but you don't want to be their sport your overburdened expense you know so there's all these little things that add up and so when I was listening to Gary Vee, he said something really profound and really, really noticeable. And he says, a lot of you fuckers that make 70000 a year waste money on stupid shit. And he's like, you know, back in the day when I wasn't successful yet, I made 41000 a year. I spent $1,100 a month on rent. I didn't buy the flyest shoes. I didn't buy, you know, all this stuff. And so it's kind of like, and and I sacrificed for a few years, and then I built up resources. I saved. So I gave myself some time, and then I started investing, and then that's how I got the money. Now, you know, what he said in other interviews, you know, yes, he's had some huge financial faults, financial risks, and that's what makes him a great entrepreneur. But at the same time, you know, the strategy isn't foreign. It's just foreign to us here in the United States because we put power in our position, in our career, or in our, our company, and that's drastically changing. Now, everywhere else in the world that I've personally viewed, um, they build up resources because having resources is power. You know, when you have something, it's better than having nothing, right? But when that something becomes abundant, so say like, um, you know, you make 45000 a year and you're able to save $10,000, $10,000, that's 25% of your income in your savings that you're not blowing, you know, you're not blowing. It makes you think about what you have. And one of the other points that he really points out is people are buying stupid shit. That is not arguable. We, I mean, here in America we or the United States, we, we really empower the ability of buying. We borrow to buy to have more stuff. So... It 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 kind of like puts you in this rat race that gets you literally nowhere. Because when you're borrowing, you're not building assets. You're borrowing for tomorrow so that you can have right now. So immediate satisfaction. Now, 
I've learned or I have been learning that, you know, for example, I want a brand-new MacBook Pro. Now, a brand-new MacBook Pro with 2 terabyte, you know, or terabyte hard drive, you know, memory is an expensive piece of equipment. It's $2,000. But I have an HP laptop that I've had for five years that still works, doesn't, you know, yeah, it needs some updates. It's not as fast as I would like it. But I look at the overall utility of what I use it for. Now, I started using, you know, I use this tracking app to, count, you know, track how much time I spend on social media and, and, and stupid shit. And, and like, 70% of my time on my own personal laptop was for entertainment purposes and not beneficial. So that really told me something right there. And I was like, okay, am I really putting my time and careful study to really benefit myself and my family? And the question was, and, and to answer that question, no, not really, not enough. Now, it doesn't mean I need to constantly grind for 18 fucking hours a day because Gary Vee's also said that kind of shit and so many others. They're not saying it's a permanent lifestyle. They're saying when you're coming from the lack or, or operational status of zero, there are there is a temporary period that you do need to, it is going to be tough. It is irritating. It is draining. It is depressing sometimes. But if you understand that it's all temporary, you're going to feel so much better about yourself because you're going to realize, well, my temporary status is just temporary. So the resources I'm building, I'm looking forward to what can I do and how can I travel and so on and so forth and enjoy the rest of part of my life in a better way. So we're going to continue this in just a moment, and I'll be right back. on with what I was talking about, uh, and the title of this actually, episode, you know, this whole episode is Sacrifice to Success. So I talked about using some small examples of what you can do and why it's important that if you're really going to aim to change your status, your position in life, what you put values in, and, and like Gary Vee was saying, it's like, I don't, he's like, I don't give a fuck about money. You know, and in a way he's right, in a way he's wrong. He concerns himself what he can use to trade to elevate his position and not how much it's worth or what can it get me. I think that's one of the problems that we have in in modern American culture and society is that we worry about how much I get paid can what it get me. So it puts you of what it gets you, and then also how you're going to survive. And that's a very, very specific thing, is when you're thinking about your survival, is it taking away from where your prosperity is? And and in, a, and in an accounting way, it, you know, your survival money is a liability. You know, because if you're not in good health, you're going to pay more. 
healthcare. You're going to spend, you're going to lose money and time and not doing what you need to do and want to do as opposed to what you're going to have to do. So we all know that health insurance is extremely high. It's astronomically high. And it's, it's not sustainable. And it's one of the biggest political arguments in our in our modern day culture, and I think that it's also the same way in the rest of the part of the world, but I can't speak for that. So, getting down to the nitty gritty, if you're not healthy, and you're not getting fit, and you're not making time to get fit and staying healthy, you're spending your resources in other places where more than likely it could have been better spent somewhere else. You know, and a lot of people spend a lot of money. Also, this is another expense. Now, health. We're going to divide it into necessity versus um, some a luxury. So, out of my own personal example, I uh, I spent let's see forty five dollars a month for six months, where I didn't seven months where I didn't go to the gym, that's a big chunk of money if you ask me, you know, um, just to do a quick calculation of it, do it on my calculator, so 45 times, let's just say seven months, that's $315 over, um, you know, 67 months. And so that's a, and that's not even that, in my mind, not even that expensive, but still it's a big enough check and change where I wasn't putting my tools to use. So I'm diabetic and I am overweight to a point, and there are health conditions that I'm suffering for, so I'm not maximizing or using my assets correctly. And if you're not, health is not in order you know, you're not going to make better decisions or financial decisions. You're going to make really stupid decisions somewhere down the line. So getting back to, you know, health versus necessity and luxury. So when I was selecting a health plan through my work, there were several different options. There was ones where you just pay $10,000, um, or ten, five to $10,000 right up front, and it covers pretty much 85% of all your medical costs. Then there was another option where it was like 27 a month, but your deductible was like 500 to 1,000, depending on when you went to the doctor, you know, and whether you use emergency rooms or hospitals, whatever. So, you know, there was that option. Then there was another option where I think I had to pay, I think it was like 167 a month, and it's like the medium, you know. It's like my deductible is like maybe $100 for a emergency room visit. But 70 per, 60 to 70% of my medical costs are taken care of. And I can see the doctor that I choose. So to me, I chose the medium, you know. But if I would have had the $10,000, I would have chosen the one where I pay up front. Then they offer like these. Um, in my, my where I work, these health savings plans. So it's like a checking or savings account just for your medical expenses to 
save for. But the real question is, do you foresee yourself having those expenses? So it's like, what's to stop you from saving your own money? Well, it's basically saying you're not trustworthy enough to do it on your own. So this savings account will be taken out of this money will be taken out of your checking or savings, or your personal checking or savings, or work, or paycheck, into another account, and it's locked in. And if you quit, quit your job, or you lose your job, I think you can request all that money back, you know, but you're going to be taxed on it, which is, like, really stupid in my mind. I mean, it's like, why would I want to participate for something that I'm taxed on, but if I roll it over so I can work for a new company, and it's kind of like a 401k. You roll it over into the next whatever employer, and you have it as an asset, a resource, you know, because who knows when you're going to get hurt or get sick. And, you know, I looked at my last hospital bill, and it was like $3,000 for about four or five hours' time. That included labs, doctor, the facility itself, the bed. You know, it's like I wasn't even in a bed, but they said I was. So I had to argue, and I had to go to the whatever. But the point is, is like, you know, when you have to. And what they're now promoting in politics is for the younger generations to get extremely fit so that they don't have to pay such high health care. And that's their premise is saying, well, you won't have to pay as long as you live in an extremely healthy lifestyle. Now, we're going to go back to our gym. Now, there's a lot of different workout systems, a lot of different diets. So um, getting to that aspect of health as a luxury, you know, there are – first, let's take out the exercise – we're going to take on the exercise component. Some people pay $300 a month and they commit fully. Some people buy exercise equipment, motivational videos, exercise videos, you know, whatever. You know, and those can range three from, I'd say, 100 to 600 you know, for whatever. Well, a good example would be like if you're a part of the beach body, and I'm not trying to slander beach body. So they'll charge you. You know, for example, uh, Insanity, the first one. You buy it for 100 bucks, all seven DVDs, for 100 bucks for a low price. Or you can buy the Deluxe for 150 but if you feel like you can't afford it, route, they'll take the payment. So they're not checking to see if you your credit, but they're looking at, you know, other aspects. So we understand that... It's like, yeah, it seems so cool. I could do it at home. But, you know, looking at my own example, after buying Insanity and P90X, I did them for about six to nine weeks, both of them, and I put them down and they sat on my shelf. So did I get the full value? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if you looked in the aspect of, like, what was the ratio? Did I save money by buying each one of those systems as opposed to paying $45 a month? In some aspects, yes.
probably save you more money because you're not taking up space. You're not paying operational costs. You're not doing all this for just to be a gym member. You're doing it at home. But that's on your own accountability. If you have any kind of laziness, you're going to quit within the first couple of weeks because those home systems can be really tough. And then we're going to talk about that in another aspect. So anyway, so people spend money on exercise equipment, information, uh, health systems that are supposed to, in essence, benefit you. And then you go to the gym, and like if you don't at least work out four days a week, you just waste money. And then, you know, when you're at the gym, there's like all these options. You want to hire a personal trainer. You know, they'll offer you, say, like, buy 20 sessions. It'll cost you 600 bucks. But after you get those 20 sessions, we'll give you another 20 sessions for free. Sometimes that might be okay, but most, in my mind, mostly it's not. And with this day, information on the Internet, you don't need that. There is a lot of free content out there with experts that can instruct you how to work out, how to eat, give you a better perspective of what to do with your time investment, you know. And, you know, it really blew my mind of how much was really out there for free. But there's always catches to even the free. Some of them, it's free for seven days only. Some of them, it's like they'll try to convince you to buy their supplements or their gear or merchandise. And it becomes kind of a headache if you ask me. So as I'm spinning the wheel, it's like if you're not putting to use the natural things that are already available to you free, then you got to be a problem. Now, each one of us has a different ability. There are some people out there can't walk. Some people out there can't run but can ride a bike. Whatever means you can or will use to exercise, there's a variety. And, uh, you know, it's also where you live. Maybe where you live is extremely cold or, I don't know, like it, it has its drawbacks. And, you know, what can you do? So then those home systems do come into play and they work better for you. But... At the same time, it's like you have to be able to put yourself in check to maximize getting to the gym so that it pays off in your body so that you, when you are sick or hurt, recovery time is less, hospital time is less. So think about that. How much are you wasting and how much are you really using and maximizing in your effort? So then we're going to go on to the next component about health. Okay, so food. To really eat healthy, there's a variety of ways, and we all have different body types, different styles, and vegetables and meats are are scarce in some parts of the country and world. So one of the big things that I'm a big proponent now or becoming of is organically eating. I'm very specific about how organic I mean because according to the FDA, Food and Drug Administration in the United States, organic is considered anything that comes out of the ground.
uh, grocery. You know, but there's other things that go into it more than just, you know, to me, organic is like you plant a seed and you almost as you water it and you gave the sun to sit. Nothing extra, no preservatives, no, you know, and you're going to have to be a gardener, you know, to a point because not everything that you normally eat, I mean, all fruits and vegetables are, every, everything is seasonal. Where you get your organic food, you know, if you're getting it from a foreign country, it may not truly be organic. So organic has a profound effect, like I was at this restaurant eating Peruvian food, and every single time I have rice, grain, or bread, especially anything with GMOs and pesticides that have you know, been used on the product to make the product. I have really, really bad time with my stomach and having to use the restroom and so on and so forth. But organic, I don't have all that problem. So I talked about this in the previous episode, in my memorial episode, about pesticides and so forth. So you're looking at the expense of eating healthy, and it is expensive. Anyone who's ever been to a grocery store to find something truly organic, it's pricey. It's not cheap. But there are other ways to get organic as best you can by going to farmer's markets instead of just stores, because stores you pay for them to refrigerate things, to display the best looking. When organic is not always the greatest looking, but it serves a greater purpose and then there's supplementation um, say like you're not getting enough of the vitamins and minerals you need from food so people are convinced that a lot of the vitamins and minerals that we're buying now aren't worth their packaging because the systems and the ingredients that go into those they, they're, they're skewed or they're altered changed so it's like how much, you know, can you get over a product? So you go on and you look at, like, there's so many different health cooking or food preparation systems out there. You've got Nutribullet. It's one of the biggest ones. I use I use it because I do juice and I do make smoothies. So for me, I put that, that thing to use. So... Definitely, you know, it becomes an expense. And I see so many people that I've worked out with that they'll spend, I think, about $200 in supplementation or more a month. And that's including shakes and protein and all this other shit. So it all comes at a cost, but what's the happy medium? You know, um, the solution to that is you learn how to grow on your own. You know, eat less meat. And coming for me, it's like eat less meat. Like, why meat's the main staple? Not potatoes. So, you look at the calculation of your food and your gym or your exercise systems and what you've invested, and you calculate and see how much are you in actual time are you spending in use or want of use. So, that's a big deal. So we're going to come back in just a minute, and we're going to record some more. 
I'm going to take a brief little break. I'll be right back.
because it's identifying, again, the lack, you know, the, the missing part. Um, when you come from a place that, in this is peddled in so many different places, of gratitude, true gratitude, it's easier because, like, say like a wealthy man, you know, a lot of us want to be, wish to be rich, you know, what would we do if, if I had all this money, what would I do? How would I live? I wouldn't have to worry as much if I was rich, but, but believe it or not, being rich has its limitations. So you have a limited resource. Now, because either if you've been living without for so long or lived poor or whatever or you're broke, you know, it's so easy to spend the resources that you're going to have. You know, eventually there's always something that comes up that you want. You know, so when you say I wish, like I wish I can win the lottery, it's like you've already shot your chances of winning the lottery out of the park. You're not going to happen more than likely. You know, as opposed to if you said, man, I really do look forward to winning the lottery someday, then it's becoming subject specific. It means that there's a possi- stronger possibility and the universe, the world, or whatever, life, may open that door for you. I look forward to it. So you're anticipating it. But it's like that self-discipline, you know, that really affects your present sense of mind. And recapping on the previous segments within this episode, you know, it also creates the lack of your spending habits or investing in things that take away from your resources. So that's one of the things I don't say anymore. You said around a lot, a lot around me. I wish. The next thing is, um, I could, you know, but. You know, you use that I could, but, you know, it's already, you've wasted a moment of a thought process, a vibration. It's like you got started and then you just turned around. And that, that actually loses your your self-respect in, in some ways that I feel that if you um, I could but negotiate that you're not a person to be recognized to be good reliable. You know, because it's like you're basically saying selfishly, whatever thing it is, you're not it's not worth it. So don't have that phrase in language. No either. So I wish I should, or even you should, when you imply someone, you tell someone, you should do this, you know, it's a really catchy thing, like, can it be a lack, or can it be a, you know, an order of, of, of advice, but it's more like they're looking down on you. Either don't have the knowledge or fortitude to do whatever the subject matter is. 
So just um, keep in mind that when you're sacrificing, put a timeline and a deadline of how long you're going to sacrifice to build resources up. You know, and those phrases will affect your mentality. So getting close to wrapping this whole segment up in this episode, to beginning a thinking of the mentality of having something means that you're spending less of something. And, yeah, there's times I want things. You know, I want a brand-new car. I want a brand-new house. I want, I want, I want. You know, that's another, I could add that phrase in through, I want. I want is already a representation of a lack that does not exist. If you want something, be silent about it, go after it, and be done with it. But getting back to what I'm trying to say, you know, your mentality is really, really important for all of this. How you're going to begin to save is an attitude, you know. And, and, and my advice is not always going to work with every single situation. Sometimes certain situations take a lot more work to get to that point, you know. And it's true. Some things, there's certain circumstances where, like, I cannot imagine living in New York right now or San Francisco, two of the most expensive countries in the United States. They're so outrageous. And for what? You know what I mean? Oh, pardon me, I was yawning. Anyhow, so when you're prepared to eliminate the lack in your life to building the wealth of abundance, and that not just means in your pocketbook or your bank account, kind of house you live in. It means so much more. It's an attitude. You know, success is an attitude, and there's no one can disagree really with that. If you really think about it, because successful people, they don't, they don't argue about it. You know, it's an attitude. They can. I am. I must. You know, always a positive momentum. They might be stingier than other people, but in the long run. Hey, Boo Jojo Ray here. Love the segment. I agree. I don't think people understand how much you have to truly sacrifice to be successful.